Let's take our seats, and if you want to turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Uh, the title of the sermon this morning is carrying on from what I preached the other week on watchfulness. This morning are the two H's of spiritual growth. The two H's of spiritual growth. Maybe you can ask yourself maybe what those two H's are. Um, but let's hear the word of God, first of all, from uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, from verse 1 through to verse 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray briefly before we continue. Heavenly Father, open up the scriptures to us. And may we all grow in Christ as we sit at the feet of Jesus and his precious words. Forgive us our sins, we pray. For Christ's sake, we ask. Amen. Well, when you read through the scriptures, not just simply the Beatitudes here, but all the panorama of scriptures in Psalms and in Proverbs and Genesis, Revelation, wherever you may find yourself in the scripture, you will find there are two things in particular that will mark out those people who grow spiritually. Now, they're both found with the letter H. And both of them are actually found in the Beatitudes here of which Christ gives us. And I wonder if you can think what they are. I'm not going to tell you them just yet, uh, but I want you to guess what they may be. And it's found in the teaching of Jesus. A true disciple of Christ will demonstrate both of these things. Um, the first one is actually humility. And the second one is hunger. Hunger, that's not... Physical hunger, oh, I could just do with a piece of pizza. I didn't have breakfast this morning. It's not physical hunger, it's a spiritual hunger. And 
humility and hunger that we find here. They're twin brothers. They're not identical. And, but what we find is that both of them are marks of a Christian. And so we can find the Word of God will examine us this morning as to where we are spiritually. Do you have a spiritual hunger? Can you say this morning that I hunger and thirst like that song we just sang as the deer pants for the water so my heart pants after you. That's what we're to be like to hunger and to thirst for the kingdom of God. And of course the kingdom of God is going to be revealed through the written word of God. So we can ask ourselves, do we hunger and thirst for the Word of God? Or do we need to fan it into flame this morning? It's very possible, as we read in the Scriptures, that, that we don't go in a straight line or even on a straight upward curve. Our, our communion with God can vary. The Bible talks about the sins of backsliding. So therefore it's possible there could be people here today, and more likely there may be people who are not here who should be here, who may be backslidden, that they are not in the spiritual position that they once were, or more importantly, not so much what they once were, but what the plumb line of Scripture says that we're to be. Um, also, it's possible, according to the Bible, to be lukewarm, in fact, to hold church. We're being criticized by Jesus for being lukewarm. And so there might be people here who are lukewarm, one of the ways you find out about where somebody's at spiritually is what's the overflow of our hearts? What do we like to talk about? It's not wrong to talk about cricket. It's not wrong to talk about tennis. It's not wrong to talk about whatever interests us. But is the chief interest the person of Christ whom the Bible calls chief among 10,000? What's filling your mouth when we finish a worship service and you like to talk to people? Is it to talk about the majesty and the beauty of Christ? Because that's one thing that should fill us, especially among the people of God. And so we're looking here this morning at the spiritual growth and looking at humility and, and hunger. And so we're going to get to the first heading, which is humility, and looking at the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 2, this is talking of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and the first thing he said was, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But before we look at that particular beatitude, just notice what it says before. Here God has sent his only begotten son, who is the second person of the Trinity. And what do we find out about his son when he reaches maturity? What is he doing? Yes, it's true that he heals people, but that wasn't the primary thing that he came to do. He comes as the image of the invisible God. What does he do? He says he opened his mouth and he taught them. He opened his mouth and he taught them. God sent his son to teach us about God and about the truth of God and about himself. And so Jesus came as a teacher par excellence. 
In fact, he not only teaches, we've opened Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and what do we find? That Jesus is a preacher. That God sends his son, and what does he do? He comes to preach. But here is actually teaching. He's explaining the truth of the kingdom of God. And therefore, uh, true churches need to be committed to unfolding the truth of the Bible. Is that why you came here today? Because part of worship and a key part of worship is, is to be hearing the words of God. We're not here to be hearing the words of men. We're not here to be preaching about ourselves. We're here to be giving Jesus Christ the preeminence. Do you like to hear about Christ? Well, listen to what Christ says here. He begins by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let those words sink into our ears. Let me read them one more time. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't say poor physically. You can be very rich, you can be very poor physically and not be poor in spirit. But a work of the Holy Spirit would be to persuade people that we are all poor in spirit. Are you aware of that this morning? It's the first rung on the, on the ladder. There was a, an English Puritan called Thomas Watson, if you've heard of him. And he comments on this verse. What does he say? He says... The world thinks the very opposite. And it's true, isn't it? The world thinks the very opposite. You know, the, one of the political parties is about to have a, a competition, aren't they? A, a race to see who can be the next leader. You know, they're not going to be saying, look, you need to be voting for me to be the leader of this party because I am poor in spirit. I'm spiritually bankrupt. In fact, I don't have the answers. I have to depend on Almighty God for everything. They'll say, well, we won't be voting for him. Let's vote for someone who's self-confident, someone who's assertive, someone who can really get us to a new place. Well, Thomas Watson says this, the world thinks, blessed are they on the pinnacle, but Christ pronounces them blessed who are in the valley. Christ's reckonings and the world's do not agree. The world and the kingdom of God, they are opposed to each other. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, I said the first H is humility. But the Lord doesn't say here, blessed are the humble. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And there is a difference between poverty of spirit and humility. And let me suggest to you, it's this. That to be poor in spirit is the cause of humility. Someone cannot be humble until they acknowledge and understand that they are poor in spirit. We all inherit sin from our great, great granddad, whatever you want to call him, and his name was Adam. And every one of us are born into this world poor in spirit. In fact, one hymn writer said this. He said, when it comes to salvation, 
that nothing in our hands do we bring. We have nothing to save ourselves. That's the very opposite of false religions, isn't it? Islam, for example, which is a false religion. They believe that you'll, your good works and your bad works will be weighed in the balances, and if you have enough good works, you, you'll probably go to paradise. Well, there's bad news for people who teach such things. It's true, the Bible teaches us that every human being will be judged. But nobody will have good works that will outweigh bad works because the Bible says that even our good works are like filthy rags. And so, you know, and, and what's further news is that hell is full of sinners, and I'm sure we'd agree with that. But heaven is also full of sinners. And the only difference is, is they are sinners in heaven who've put their faith in Jesus Christ. Because nothing in their hands do they bring, but simply to the cross do they cling. And people who cling to the cross, they're saying, I have nothing good in myself. In and of myself, I will never go to heaven. And they rest and remain upon Jesus Christ. How about you this morning? What are you resting upon for salvation this morning? Are you resting upon anything at all in yourself? Or are you fully coming to Christ? And I'm not just preaching to adults this morning. I'm preaching to children. If you're old enough to understand the English language, then this gospel is for you. God is speaking to you. Will you come to Christ? Are you going to wait until you're 57 until you yield to Christ? But you may never yield to Christ. These are exciting days to be alive in, aren't they? Why is that? Because until Jesus Christ returns, the door of salvation is open. And Jesus says, come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden. So these are great days to be alive. People are coming to Christ in, in Sri Lanka. People are coming to Christ in, in East Africa. People are coming to Christ. The, this is the time for the kingdom of God to extend. The devil says, oh yes, but what about Britain? Can't you see it's, it's not good news here? Well, aren't we thankful that the world is bigger than our own country? These are great days to be alive because the door is open to the kingdom. The question is, will you come into the kingdom of God today? Will you come to Christ today? Because tomorrow may be too late. Tomorrow may be too late. In fact, Hebrews says, today is the day of salvation. So whatever it's today, there's hope for anybody if you've not come to Christ yet. Well, so humility is the first thing that we have from the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks about being poor in spirit, and he speaks about being blessed. Being blessed for people who are poor in spirit. Now, a few things on that before we move to our second heading. Until we are poor in spirit, we cannot expect to be humble and therefore have Christ's grace. Until we are poor in spirit and humble, Christ will not be precious to us. Because you'll be looking to yourself and for something else. If, you're, if you recognize you're poor in spirit and you are poor in spirit, then Christ will be everything to you. Because without him you'll be nothing. 
To be prideful means that God will resist us. You can't be poor in spirit and prideful at the same time. Until we are poor in spirit and humble, we cannot go to heaven. There'll be nobody who'll come before the Lord and say, here I am, Lord. It'll be, there's a parable about that. It will be somebody coming in without a wedding garment and they'll be cast out. People who are poor in spirit know that they will be in heaven only through the grace of Jesus Christ. His perfect death. They have nothing in their hands. And therefore, with only one response, we can say to the triune God for salvation. And in English, it's actually two words. It's thank you. That's the response for those who are poor in spirit. People who are poor in spirit, they don't boast if their children come to know Christ. They don't say, well, we were great parents. They say, no, we're poor in spirit. Our children have come to know Christ, but it's only the grace of God. That's how people who are poor in spirit respond. Everything we have, every meal we have on our table, it, we don't say, well, look at me, I've provided for my family. No, those who are poor in spirit, they respond to the Lord and say, Thank you, Lord. They may use other words. They may use gracias, Senor. Uh, they may use um, dank, dankuvel. That's, that's Dutch. But that's the response to the Lord for those who are poor in the spirit. How do you respond to the Lord this morning? Do you respond with thank you? Because how do we know if we are humble or not? Well, a humble person is this. They are a Christ admirer. A humble person is a Christ admirer. Do you admire Christ? A humble person, they put aside worldly talk, coarse jesting, irrelevant blabber, but they're focused on the love of Christ. The way they speak reflects a sense of humility. He who is humble, they are found much in prayer. Are you found much in prayer? When was the last time you were found on your knees in the secret place? That's where humble Christians are found. On their knees, in fact, there's a hymn by William Cooper. And it says this. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. It's a safe place to be found on your knees before the Lord. But the good news is, before we move to our next heading, the poor in spirit, spirit look at what Jesus says. They, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Imagine that, the kingdom of heaven. Thomas Watson also said this, that we should study the shortness of life and the length of eternity. We should study the shortness of life and the length of eternity. There might be people here this morning, you might be 23, 24, 25, you've got muscles bulging all over the place. Well, listen, let me tell you, if... Jesus tarries 
you'll soon be 50 if God gives you strength. And those muscles will become more sagging. Life goes so fast. The length of our lives in this world is very short compared with eternity. May we live our lives focused on the goal of eternal life. And for those whose faith is in Jesus, he says you obtain eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our second heading begins with H, and it's hunger. <laughs> hunger. Now look at verse 5 and what Jesus, sorry, verse 6. We won't look at the other Beatitudes, but in verse 6, the Lord Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let me read it one more time. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So one of the marks of being a Christian, and certainly of being a healthy Christian, is humility, but a second mark is a hunger, a spiritual hunger. And so this sermon hopefully will apply itself. We can ask ourselves some questions this morning. How is your spiritual hunger? Do you have a spiritual hunger? How is your relationship to the written word of God? How is your relationship to the written word of God? As one old-time saint once said, there probably no doubt in heaven now, they said, clean Bible, dirty heart. Dirty Bible, clean heart. Is your Bible something that you turn to almost the first thing every day? You know, we hear a lot today, don't we, about FaceTime. Well, that's an interesting concept, FaceTime. How is your biblical FaceTime? The Word of God is likened unto a mirror. Do you hunger for the Word of God to read it, to consume it? Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, it's one thing to hunger, it's another thing to thirst. The two mo most basic needs of a human being are to hunger and to thirst. And though you can live without food for many days and many weeks, you generally can't live without water for much more than three days. Now, for those people who hunger and thirst, it is possible, though, that you can have your edge blunted. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel this morning your spiritual emptiness? Do you think about yourself being empty, or do you think about yourself being full? Because Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You don't hunger and thirst for something if you think of yourself as being full. You hunger and thirst if you think of yourself as being empty. And some people, um, as I've said already about humility, a prayerless existence is a sure temptation that can overtake us. Thomas Watson, again, I've mentioned him commenting on this verse, 
blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he says there are five signs of spiritual hunger. Five. Number one, he says, hunger is a painful thing. Hunger is a painful thing. And I think there are very few people in our country who have ever experienced true hunger. Who have children going to bed at night, having had no food that day. And yet, you know, there are millions of people today around this world who experience true hunger. But we're not focusing on a physical hunger, but we're focusing now on a spiritual hunger, that hunger is a painful thing. Secondly, when there is hunger, it is satisfied with nothing but food. It's only food that will satisfy it. Thirdly, hunger wrestles with difficulties and makes an adventure for food. When people say, well, I can't be bothered to come to church, what are they revealing? They're not spiritually hungry. Certainly if that church is going to be preaching the word of God, if you're hungry, where there's a will, there'll be a way. Fourthly, a hungry man falls upon his food with an appetite. And uh, I think it's fair to say that younger men can have a real robust appetite, can't they? I know some young men, and I'm sure their legs are hollow. Uh, no matter what you feed them, they just seem to just find space again and again. One young man said to me he was having a certain, cooked a certain meal for himself, and and his hunger just caused him to absolutely devour this meal. And a hungry man falls upon his food with an appetite. A hungry man tastes sweetness in his food. So here is a question. How do we devour the meal spiritually when the word of God is preached at church? Is it something you devour, you fall upon? You're just lapping up the word of God. Or do you think, well, I can take it, I can leave it. If a take it or leave it attitude describes you, you may want to ask yourself, are you displaying humility and a, a hungering and thirsting after righteousness? Well, it's good to pray for ourselves in both of these areas. As we come to an end this morning and make one or two comments about these two H's. What's the first H? The first H is? Yes. Second H is? Yes. Hunger. That's right. Humility and hunger. Now, there was a preacher called John Owen in the 17th century, and he said it would be an uncouth sermon that should we be without doctrine and use. Well, that's the old language, isn't it? But he says it would be an uncouth sermon that would be without doctrine and use. In other words, we need biblical doctrines in the church, but we also need use or applications. We need to apply the word of God. A true sermon is not a sermon if there isn't doctrines and there isn't applications for us. And we've had two doctrines for us this morning. The first one is the doctrine of biblical humility, and the second doctrine is the doctrine of spiritual hunger so in terms of applying this to our lives let us examine ourselves this morning regarding being pure 
poor, sorry, poor in spirit. Would you describe yourself as being poor in spirit? Do you understand now what it means to be poor in spirit? That's the attitude that we're called to have. What would this look like when you're practicing to be poor in spirit? You won't be boasting about yourself. You'll be low before the Lord. The one who's poor in spirit. Remember the parable that Jesus spoke? Uh, there was one man in the temple and he was telling God about how great he was, this Pharisee. And then there was another man at the back of the temple. His head was bowed to the, to the ground. He did not even look up towards heaven to God. And he prayed this, God be merciful to me a sinner. That man was poor in spirit. And who was it who went away justified? It was that man who was bowed down and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The promise of being poor in spirit, what a reminder for us to cultivate that humility and poverty of spirit because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so therefore, I hope as we draw to a close that we can bow in worship this morning. This church service is just temporary. This church service is temporary. We praise God for the church. But what we're looking forward to is what? We're looking forward to the church in heaven where righteousness dwells eternally. The day will come when the church in this world will be no more. And so may the Lord help us to develop and cultivate humility and hunger which are like non-identical twins, but they both belong together. So again, I ask the question, how is your spiritual hunger for the Word of God? How is your spiritual hunger for knowing more about Christ? How is your spiritual hunger for the means of grace, for love among other Christians? Because spiritual hunger is never passive. Those who are hunger, hungering and thirsting, they're driven to be fed. They'll seek out the riches of spiritual food. So are you spiritually hungry or have you grown lazy? Are you spiritually hungry or have you grown passive, indifferent or even dulled? If the answer is yes, you say, I've become dull. I've lost my hunger. Then Confess that sin before the Lord. Repent and ask the Lord for his help. Turning to the Lord with fresh zeal will always attract the Holy Spirit. And what about those of us who are in families? Do you have a diligent uh, family worship where you're feasting together on the word of God? Are you leading your families to Bring yourself and present yourself on the Christian Sabbath before the Lord. How is your practice of the Christian Sabbath? We have two services on the Lord's Day. Why do we have two services? Just because Psalm 92 encourages us, where possible, to worship in the morning and the evening and to bring ourselves before the living God. But we're going to close now thinking about these two things of humility 